Well, thank you very much. Um, yes, some streaming radio truths and a little idea I came up with. We'll be covering that uh, a little bit later. I'm Sean at interwebsradio.com or Sean on Twitter. Um, so why am I here? About five years ago, I conducted an investigation into the inflated numbers being reported by these startup streaming radio stations. My report attracted live on-air ridicule, legal threats, and a surprising amount of support from the grassroots. It also attracted, attracted a fair amount of media attention. In time, despite the protest from those in the streaming radio industry, my allegations were vindicated by a third-party audit. Currently, I, in collaboration with some others, run two streaming radio entities. We've got interwebsradio.com, which is indie and alternative rock music, and we've got metalwebsradio.com. Metal, because that's metal. So, the question is, why radio? Why my interest in radio? And I'll just play a little sound clip here. Northern Hotel. The message says your family has been contacted and... Ah, of course. Wrong clip. Here we go. It was the middle of the night on March 27th, 1964. Earlier that evening, the second biggest earthquake ever measured at the time, an insane 9.2, had mangled Anchorage, Alaska. 115 people died. Houses turned literally upside down or skidded into the sea. There was no light or power in the city. And for a long time, virtually no communication with the outside world. But there was radio. Are we on the air? Yes? We're ready to go again. It was a station in Anchorage running on backup generators and a cracked transmitter. A station in Fairbanks picked up that signal and repeated it. And a man in Juneau somehow picked up that Fairbanks station, called a radio station in Seattle, and let the broadcast play over the phone. The Boy Scout troop that went overnight to McHugh Creek, Bill Noble would like to get a message if they are all right. Like that, a voice from Anchorage touched the lower 48, a sign the city was still there. And soon, the degraded signal broadcast in Seattle was relayed and relayed again, until eventually, people across America, then around the world, heard the same woman's voice. We have word here that Mary Sweet is asked to contact her mother. Mother is at home. The president of that Anchorage radio station happened to be on a goodwill tour of Japan, and when he turned on a radio in Tokyo, he couldn't believe it. It was the voice of his own newsgirl back home. The woman's name was Jeannie Chance. So perhaps for the opportunity to become a Jeannie Chance, who became the sole connection to the world from the devastated city of Anchorage following the great Alaskan earthquake of 1964. She was the voice of comfort and hope for many as her updates were broadcast from a crack transmitter through a series of radio and telephone relays 
to Seattle and the rest of the world. Or perhaps, why radio? To share stories like Wild Ones Live, a spoken word journey with live musical accompaniment, exploring the designed evolution of human-animal interaction in our dismaying attempts at conservation. These animals was a kind of conservation. He believed by stuffing them, he was preserving endangered species for the future generations that might not know them after they were gone. Through taxidermy, he could make them immortal. In 1886, Hornaday looked west and saw that Americans were killing so many buffaloes so rapidly that the prairie was almost empty. He figured there were maybe less than 300 buffalo left in the wild. And so he did what he thought was the most helpful and logical thing. He lit out for Montana to kill several dozen of them. Or maybe, just maybe, it's uh, streaming radio for freedom and free speech because it's less regulated. It's pirate. It's cool. Or maybe it's for the music, to be a gatekeeper for the independent and alternative music we love so dearly. The music that commercial radio stations with their giant expensive FM transmitters refuse to play because it doesn't fall in any of their archaic classification methodologies. And maybe so we can have more than three minutes between adverts, or allow a song or a conversation to run past the news hour, or simply to avoid the pseudo-celebrity presenter opening their mouth to spout nonsense before and after every other song. Also maybe, quite simply, we did this because we could. Okay, so our listenership is rather low. We have between zero and 25 listeners at any particular point in time. And why? We face a number of challenges. These stations are toys, they're side projects. They're pretty much labors of love. Whatever free time we have is the time that can get allocated towards them. We've only marketed them with the Facebook and Twitter influence of our founders, which, to be fair, is not that great. Um, and bootstrapping them up to a wider audience will require proper marketing budget and a, and a real plan. Uh, Metalwebs Radio, for example, only became public knowledge about a month ago. We're very slowly building content and curatorships and rolling them out as uh, friends volunteer to help us. But these stations are a barely minimum viable product and rolling them out, uh, and we don't want to spend too much money on the rollout. Uh, until we establish a solid production team for content. And we also um, spent the money we set aside to develop a mobile app on beer for local bands and went web first instead. But even with minimal effort, we are streaming 24-7, 365 with a capacity to scale up to hundreds if not thousands of listeners on demand. We can even conduct an outside broadcast from anywhere with a reasonable internet connection. Now, obviously, there's some costing involved in running a, a property like these streaming radio stations. So for us, our monthly running costs, financially, 
our custom-built solution costs us $25 per month, so 300 bucks. I'd say we've got our costing right, and that's why it blows my mind that anyone would spend, would set up a radio, streaming radio station and spend anything more than that on it. But that's what it costs us. Others have been known to spend hundreds of thousands of rands on their streaming stations for equipment, studios, tables, chairs, offices, kitchens, microphones, computers, salaries. But if you prefer, if you prefer turnkey operation and are not that technically inclined as we are, there are a number of uh, streaming radio as a, as a service offerings. So depending on your requirements and your maximum listener count, you can get options from as little as $10 all through $100 a month and even up, it scales up even into enterprise pricing. Ultimately, if you're willing to simply pay, you can buy the whole kit and caboodle, which means just about any washed up morning disc jockey can play in this space. Against our $25 per month, Touch HD claimed to have spent 28 million rand to revamp their online digital radio station. Now that does seem a bit excessive to me, especially when they don't say how many listeners they actually have. So listener numbers. Now, I don't know what the other streaming radio stations are currently claiming their listenership counts to be, but that's pretty much where the ego contest has been all along. Following my report those uh, five years ago, those stations' first impulse was to restrict access to the statistics and evade the numbers questions when they were asked. They didn't listen to what I was saying at the time about the audience size not really mattering as much as the enhanced capability for targeted engagement and listener profiling, and that's built in to streaming radio. And why doesn't anyone publish the streaming radio listener stats? Because the real numbers, the ones they'd want to show traditional advertisers, are frighteningly low. Hands up if you've listened to a streaming radio station in the past month. Oh, we've got a few. And in six months? Well, that's good. <laughs> so there's obviously a problem here. As mentioned in previous sessions, bandwidth, way too expensive. Uh, that previous session about the, the taxi rank thing is actually a very good idea in pivoting out of the, the rollout of uh, connectivity problem. Most listeners will have to pay to access your stream and the cell phone companies are hardly doing us any favors here. For instance, Vodacom's latest out-of-bundle special, the princely amount of five megabytes of data for three rand, which equates to about 10 minutes of a fair quality stream for that three rand. These smartphones, which are used to process and play the stream, are expensive. How did we end up in a world where it's cool to carry devices costing up to 15,000 rand in our pockets. That's not sustainable in Africa. The content is poor, it's boring, it's lame. If I didn't listen to a certain morning shock jock show on FM radio, I certainly don't want to listen to the new version just because it's online. Then there's the fact that a billion people worldwide don't even have FM, FM receivers. Never mind web browsers or any form of internet connectivity. And then international podcast producers are generating world-class content 
amazing storytelling and journalism. While we have radio presenters asking lame clickbaity questions to try and simulate some sort of, or to try and stimulate some sort of uh, listener engagement. Bite for bite, content-wise, podcasting is becoming a far superior and very successful product. And then, of course, barring, uh, barring your ability to multitask, when I ask you to listen to my radio stream, I'm basically asking for your, your engaged attention. I'm asking you to not play Angry Birds and not use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Streaming radio, particularly on the mobile platform, is literally competing for your attention against every other app on your cell phone and against the hundreds of millions of apps in the app stores. Your content has got to be better than Candy Crush. And Candy Crush is fucking crack. Even where bandwidth and these cost problems don't exist internationally, streaming radio has not really worked. Peak listenerships on independent uh, international stations only number in the tens of thousands. So what makes us in Africa somehow think we're more special and it's going to magically work here? There are a few positives. It's not all doom and gloom. A content policy like the cloudy 90% has the potential to actually drive people to your streaming radio station, your more inclusive stream or your niche. And if you have an existing infrastructure, bolting on a streaming radio station is a very low-cost option to give your station a much further reach. And then risk-taking and experimentation. These can be done without worrying about offending a stable long-term audience. These, the, the ability to take risks and try new things is surely best attempted on the fringe, using something like streaming radio or podcasting. So locally, it seems people have forgotten that radio is an art form. Content creation and curation still falls within the spectrum of art. Too many don't see their work in radio as a form of crafted art, something to look back on and be proud of. Sitting in a chair in a cheap studio and talking unprepared crap off the top of your head is not art. So the competition to create world-class content has never been higher, which means that those who aren't able to create effective product, whether it be talk radio or music, they'll simply fall away and the best will eventually shine through. But there are content gems being created by individuals and small outfits, as well as the traditional media outlets. Take, for example, the podcast Alibi, a product of Vitz Radio Academy. It's a solid piece of content. It got me to listen. And I'm extremely fussy about podcasts. But where do you find this content? How does one get the syndication of content in place to allow the good stuff to rise to the top and hopefully generate some sort of return on investment for the creator? In the US, there's a platform called PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. It's an online marketplace for distribution, review, and licensing of public radio programming. PRX connects creators and distributors to form a social network of purchasable content with a world-renowned standard for quality. The opportunities on a platform like that 
to bring monetization and additional revenue streams are plentiful. It's about time we had a marketplace like this for South Africa and even for Africa. Only through this type of social exchange content will we get to the levels of visibility and collaboration required to reshape radio in Africa. And perhaps in the process, we may just find that viable niche tuning for the future of streaming radio. And everything is okay. I've been so involved trying to assist down here in the coordination of uh, the message service at the uh, Civil Defense uh, Headquarters that uh, I really hadn't stopped to think how worried and concerned my parents must be. I understand that uh, KFAR in Fairbanks is monitoring us and is relaying messages to the South 48. I wonder if the person in KFAR would take down a message for me and get the word to my family in Bonham, Texas, that the Chance family is all right. The Chance family is all right. All five of us are safe. None of us received a scratch. Thank you. So yeah, I'm not sure if there's any questions. I'll try and answer them uh, as far as possible. Stand silence is also good. Purely internet radio. Um, well, a lot of them have fallen away. The last time I set up monitoring on, there were about about 30, of which. There's probably like 12 left. Are you monitoring but, any of those stations? Uh, yes, I'm monitoring one, uh, the eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, interwebs radio and metalwebs radio. I need to tweak my monitoring because I just changed the hosting platform for them. But obviously, we monitor them to, to get up to our nice 25 listeners per day. <laughs> um, Sean, I wanted to ask, what do you, what's your opinion around um, what to a listener is essentially streaming radio, these kind of jukebox apps. So sort of like NPR One, yes. um, you know, where I think if you're, walk, you're walking around, you, you feel that you're just listening to a streaming radio station, but really you're listening to lots of little, basically podcasts that yes. are being streamed to you. Yeah. What, what's your sort of opinion on I that? I listen to NPR One a lot, actually, myself. Um, I think it's great for discovery. I've, I've found a lot of like uh, a podcast called Love and Radio which I never would have found had I not uh, used the NPR One app. So that's, that's well, f f as far as streaming radio is concerned, that's a competitor to us. Yeah. Um, and we have to be as good as them. Mm. Um, the nice thing about it, in a way, is that it's, um, it's also, uh, it, it hasn't, it's not necessarily a rewindable or fast, it's a fast forwardable, but it's not necessarily so rewindable like streaming radio. Streaming radio is non-rewindable, non-fast-fordable. So you've got to listen to what's right there then. Um, and so that's, that's a nice parallel that that is actually working in, the, in that NPR1 type of space where people are kind of forced. They can obviously skip, but um, you, you can hit the show sort of in the middle or, half, or a news bulletin halfway and that sort of thing. But I like that idea. And it's a perfect idea, for instance, for our streaming radio station after hours. If, if we have nobody to DJ or curate music, then if we can pivot to a robot like that, um, 
that that's obviously fantastic. Cool. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, look, this is a question I asked the guy that was presenting on uh, Massive Metro, which oh, yes, yes. wasn't really making a lot of sense. I just want to get um, an, an understanding on, on the methodology uh, that is used to measure the type of audience that you get, you know, yes. the, the matrix behind, because that has always been my problem, that yes. you say you've got more than 3,000 downloads, you know, does a click equal to a download? Does yeah. four seconds of listening equal to a listener? So yeah. that, that has always been, look, I, I even tried web analytics, but I just couldn't get a basic understanding of yeah. how do so you come to a conclusion, you know? This is, this is exactly the thing that caught out Balls Radio and Two Oceans Vibe mm. a number of years ago because they were being given uh, stats by the ISP that were, um, they called it sessions, I think, or something yeah. like that. And it was literally, if somebody connected to that port on, on their server and disconnected, that counted as a listen. It, it could have been instant. It could have been Google's automated search bots yeah. that were counted then as a listener, and that's how everything got so overhyped and overinflated. And then after a number of discussions in that process, um, they got hold of, was it the DMMA and Triton Digital? And Triton Digital actually suggested a measurement tool called, uh, known as qualified sessions. And what that means by a qualified session is it's a stream that gets opened and held for a period of five minutes, 15 minutes, or I think 30 minutes. I think those were the three brackets they looked at. And then you can go and say, okay, we had 200 qualified uh, five minute sessions. Uh, plus we had 30 qualified um, 15 minute sessions so uh, the idea being that you measure the length of length of time uh, that a listener is actually connected which presumably means that a listener is is listening if they if they're spending that time connected to you so I thought that was a pretty good way of measuring it rather than a, a, a connection to a port and a disconnect that I thought that was about the best metric to come up with and I think it's it's quite open and transparent um, once you explain what it is. So, uh, 100 15-minute qualified sessions, so 100 users listening to you for 15 minutes or longer, is a very valuable thing to know, particularly if you know what programming was active during that time, and you can pinpoint exactly what is drawing people to continue listening to your station. So, I would, I would go with the, the, the qualified sessions metric as try to do it. I wanted to ask, like, in your opinion, for somebody who's starting out and who does not know exactly uh, the difference between podcasting and live streaming, and also another question is, it, is you putting up your podcast on YouTube the same as live streaming, or is it different? Well, um, the difference is probably in how it gets consumed. So with live streaming, we sit there, uh, say behind a desk and we play the music or talking to the, the microphone or what have you and that stream goes out as one series and whenever you start listening to it you'll you'll catch me mid-sentence or mid-song or um, halfway through a giant argument or anything like that so so there's no way for you when you connect to my stream to start at the beginning of my 
conversation. So, so very similar to FM radio. When you turn on the radio, whatever's coming through the broadcast tower, that's what you hear in that point in time. Now with podcasting, the nice thing is it's portable. So you download an entire podcast. So it's from the start to the finish as, as a single unit. And you then start listening to that from the beginning and you can listen to that entire show, whether it be 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and you can listen to the whole show whenever you want to. So it's, an on, it's a more on-demand type service. And that way, you, the YouTube option is definitely more on-demand. Um, the closest would be, I guess, to a streaming is if you have that YouTube TV, which is a new thing, which just plays a constant stream of, of information fast. But that's the basic fundamental difference between a podcast and a stream. The stream is more like your terrestrial radio, and the podcast is a singular unit you download and consume when you choose to. I just wanted to get some more info from on your two offerings, yes. the two stations that you stream. You talked about them as side projects. Mm. What are the plans going forward? And then you also mentioned that you've got 25 listeners at a time. Your thoughts on a niche audience versus mass audience, because it's very hard to attract advertisers to 25 listeners. They're not going to put money in your project. They'd rather go for the 100,000 listeners. Absolutely. Um, so... We, we put a, a fair amount of time and effort into Interwebs Radio, and that's the indie rock and streaming. And we did small media partnerships with a music festival called um, Park Acoustics, which happens on Sundays, um, which got, got us a, a fair amount of exposure, but we still ran into a lot of those bandwidth um, and those type of um, problems, as I discussed earlier. Um, and we were, th we were thinking, yes, um, I mean, I love what Interwebs Radio does. That, that is my preferred style of music. And we've got a few people here, Cape Town, whatever, that like it. It's, I don't know if it's too mainstream in its content or if we just need to try and partner with the shadow boxer in Greenside and get them to play our music there or um, sort of those sort of collaborations in terms of growing. So I'm not particularly excited at, at this stage about interwebs radio it's it's i think it might end up just being more of a hobby type thing but metal webs radio there's a fundamental difference between the the uh the hipster listener of interwebs radio and the metalhead and the metalheads are passionate and if we can tap into that market and leverage just a handful of them and get them to share or get them to become guest DJs or content uh, creators or, or, or um, curators and come and uh, interface with us on, on that level. I think the, the metal listeners, because there's literally nowhere that you can listen to that, that somebody will introduce you to new metal music other than at a bri. So I'm very excited about Metal Webs Radio We've already got one friend of mine who's absolute metal nuts, and he's starting to create music and get involved, and we've given him access to the platform so he can upload playlists and, and do some remote DJing. So I'm very excited about the metal thing, and that's that's, but that's gonna be a very specific niche. And when it comes to advertising or, or um, paying for that, 
we're going to have to rely perhaps on uh, word of mouth sponsors, perhaps uh, more metal oriented venues will come in and we'll, we may even have to do regional splits. So um, if we play uh, Metal Web's radio stream into Nelspreit, then uh, we can have Blue Moon advertising there. If we play it into Joburg, have a different advertiser and Joburg South, maybe Bell Sundown. So I'm very excited about Metal Web's radio. I think Interweb's radio, uh, because of the hipster factor, doesn't have that same dedication and passion that I think we're going to get from a, a metal audience. Cool. Well, thank you all very much.